Hello everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Amanda Balby with Consultant 360. Today, our guest is Dr. Jane Connors, who is a hematologist at Brigham and Women's Hospital and the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, and an associate professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts. She recently presented about anticoagulation and hormones at the Anticoagulation Forum 2021, and she joins us today to talk about this session. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast, Dr. Connors. To start, can you give us a brief overview of your session? Sure. At this year's uh, anticoagulation forum, I was uh, given the topic of hormones and thrombosis to discuss. I chose the use of combination oral contraceptives, those containing uh, estrogen and progestin agents, because 20% of women in the United States between ages 15 and 30 are prescribed and take the combination oral contraceptives. Many different types of prescribers prescribe these, everything from primary care physicians, uh, OBGYN, nurse practitioners, hematologists. And so I think it's important to understand the risks and benefits associated uh, with this type of contraception, the alternatives that are available, and who should and shouldn't be prescribed these combination oral contraceptives because of risk for thrombosis. We know that estrogen increases the risk of thrombosis, and this can be seen in women who are pregnant. Uh, The risk of uh, thrombosis is highest for women under the age of 50 during pregnancy, although the absolute rate for women in childbearing years is low, approximately 5 to 10,000 per patient years. But when we do have thrombosis, it it can be difficult to manage. The risk of uh, thrombosis during pregnancy has an odds ratio of about 6 compared to not being in the pregnant state. And in the immediate postpartum period, the odds ratio is about 22. And so hormonal contraceptives mimic this pregnancy state to suppress ovulation. Although the estrogen may not be as high and the VTE risk may not be as high, there are some caveats about the combination oral contraceptives that may predispose to similar or even increased risk of thrombosis as compared to pregnancy. Some of these factors include age, obesity, smoking, and others, as I described. But in addition to those patient-specific risk factors, we also have the type of progestin agent and the amount of estrogen. So when we look at the different generations of progestin agents, we can see that the first and second generations, norethindrone and levonorgestrel, have the lowest risk associated with third-generation progestins like desogestrel and norgestimate, and the fourth generations, particularly drospirinone, which is associated with an increased risk of thrombosis. The dose of estrogen also is associated with increased risk, with the lowest dose of estrogen, usually 20 micrograms of ethanol estradiol, conferring the lowest risk of thrombosis and the highest dose that's usually in uh, combination oral contraceptives, 50 micrograms, is associated with the highest risk. And so if you look carefully at the data, you can see that the different combinations of high dose ethanol estradiol 
and a third or fourth generation progestin will increase the risk of thrombosis. Now, when we talk about exogenous estrogens, there are differences in risk between the type of estrogen preparation used in oral contraceptives and that used for hormone replacement in women who've undergone menopause, including premature menopause or medically induced menopause, and the types which are similar used for trans women to maintain feminine uh, characteristics. So oral estradiol and transdermal estradiol are lower risk, but the majority of my presentation is focused on the 20% of, of American women who will be taking combination oral contraceptives. In addition, to obesity, smoking, and age as risk factors for thrombosis when oral contraceptives are used uh, are also the inherited thrombophilias. But as I point out in my discussion, the prevalence of an inherited thrombophilia in the U.S. population is very low. Factor V Leiden is seen in just 5% of the white population and even lower in Blacks and Hispanic ethnicity. The deficiencies of protein C, protein S, and antithrombin combined are found in, in just less than 1% to 2% of the population. So while we may be concerned about prescribing oral contraceptives to patients with thrombophilia, we have to recognize that these other risk factors that I've mentioned are uh, higher. The odds ratio for having a thrombosis with uh, heterozygous prothrombin gene mutation is basically the same as it is for someone whose BMI is greater than 30 uh, kilograms per meter squared. And so with an odds ratio of about 2.4 for VTE with an increased BMI and an odds ratio of 24 if someone is obese and takes a combination oral contraceptive. Before you prescribe these combination oral contraceptives, take a look at your individual patient in front of you, ask if they have a personal or family history in a first degree relative of a venous thromboembolism, assess their typical cardiovascular risk factors, their lipid profile, diabetes, hypertension, and obesity and smoking factors. That was a great overview. Thank you so much. Um, can you now talk a little bit about the research around combination oral contraceptives and what's still needed to study? For women, that uh, combination oral contraceptives are considered high risk. Uh, the, the risk factors that I just mentioned, women who are over the age of 35 and smoke or have had uh, thrombotic events in the past or have BMI greater than 30 one viable contraceptive option that also decreases menstrual blood loss is the use of the progestin-coated IUD that works incredibly well in women who have menorrhagia due to coagulation defects or heavy menstrual periods and uh, want to decrease the burden of menstrual blood loss and for whom combination oral contraceptives are not appropriate. The levonorgestrel-coated IUD is also extremely effective at contraception and preventing uh, pregnancy. Interestingly, one study demonstrated a lower risk of thrombosis than in women who used no contraceptives at all in a study in Denmark. So levonorgestrel-coated IUD is an excellent option, women for whom combination oral contraceptives uh, are not appropriate. 
When we look at future research, we will be looking into types of estrogen and progestin agents that decrease the risk of thrombosis, as well as the impact on the cardiovascular risk factors. Already, we see that in trying different progestin types uh, that we can see that, you know, we trade some side effects for others. Weight gain, acne, all of these can be fine-tuned by choosing the type of progestin agent, but for many of our patients, we need to keep the risk of thrombosis in mind as well. Absolutely. And for this population of women who are taking contraceptives, when they do have a thrombosis or other bleeding event, are anticoagulants or thrombolytics still indicated, or is there any alternative? Women who are on combination oral contraceptives and present with thrombosis should be treated as any patient that presents with a thrombosis. So if they have submassive or life-threatening PE, certainly thrombolysis can be uh, used. There are no drug-drug interactions with combination oral contraceptives and uh, direct oral anticoagulants, such as apixaban or rivaroxaban. What is important is that when many women take anticoagulation, they find that their menstrual periods become heavier with more blood loss. And one strategy that is acceptable in women who have an estrogen or or combination oral contraceptive associated thrombosis is to continue the oral contraceptive while the patient is being anticoagulated. So many of us would consider thrombosis that appears to be provoked by combination oral contraceptives as provoked and would give limited duration anticoagulation of of three to six months. During that time, women can be maintained on the oral contraceptive. Data from the Einstein VTE and PE studies show that there was no difference in the recurrent VTE risk in women who continued the hormonal treatments versus those that stopped. So for for women who are on anticoagulation and for whom heavy menstrual bleeding can be an issue, continuing the oral contraceptive is is acceptable. Similarly, though, uh, for women who want to avoid the oral contraceptive, even while anticoagulated, the use of the levonorgestrel uh, IUD uh, is one strategy that can be used. Perfect. Is there anything else that you would like to add or maybe some final thoughts for the podcast? As we do for many things in medicine, for the individual woman in front of you for whom you're considering combination oral contraceptives, keep in mind all of the factors that I've discussed in this presentation with regard to risk for thrombosis as an individual risk assessment profile needs to be considered in all women for whom you are prescribing oral contraceptives. Thank you so much for joining me today and answering all my questions. Well, thank you very much, Amanda, and I'm delighted to be able to have participated in the AC Forum this year.